everybody, welcome to another episode of MCG Rants. As you can tell, it's Tan and Grace back on the, on the mic this weekend. Uh, I am exhausted, Ross. I don't know about you. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, to be honest. Hey, I you slept great, well last actually. night. Yeah. Thank you. I was going to say, uh, for everybody earlier, Ross got on and was like, look at this handsome man. And he just had like, you know that grin you get when like your parents give you a compliment or something, you know, or like your oh, significant yeah. other? Yeah, he just had that grin. It was, it well, was nice. I, Anytime a man gets a compliment, it's like you're over the moon because no, no yeah. one ever notices us ever. Yeah, dude, I actually like thought something about that recently. It was like I saw someone like Instagram or something, and it's like, uh, you know, it was like it was like a, a woman talking about that about like how men don't get compliments very much, and she was like, "Are you guys still smiling about that one compliment you got 18 years ago that's still stuck in the forefront of your mind?" I'm like, "Holy shit, that's so true." Yeah, you know? and I think that's why you see the the I find that like within the gaming community, you know, like magic and flesh and blood stuff that like, we're really nice to each other. You know, we give each other compliments all the time. Like, Hey man, you look great today. Like stuff like that, you know, like, Hey, you're playing great, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, like, I, as least toxic as possible. Yeah. I think what we're seeing is, is, you know, I, culturally speaking, we saw the sort of, uh, gen X, um, you know, malaise that you know, was typified by, by like, you know, grunge music and, uh it was definitely not cool to be any of that yeah yeah that kind of morphed into this you know uh universal cynicism where like everything sucked and was you know you you were it was like bad to be happy about anything well well, ross i have one quick counterpoint though what if everything does suck and it is just like really hard to be happy well there are a lot of things that do suck and that that plays into it it's it's people's fears about their lives morphing into the cultural zeitgeist uh that and it but it like made all community like the 2000s were just a very toxic decade everyone was just an asshole to to everyone and that was and we've seen a a reaction to it in the last five or ten years that has made things a lot more positive and, and generally just better and uh, speaking of just better, thanks for doing the show last week without me and having uh, Tandy on there as a special guest. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I'm actually going to later when I get my uh, my jog slash walk in for the day. I have it queued up on the phone, oh, ready to go. I, I hope you're going for a long walk. Uh, oh, was it that long? I mean, geez, guys, come it, on. It was it was at least two hours. Oh, everybody at home getting their money's worth. I like it. Yeah. Well, it, it was a lot of cards. <laughs> yeah, and like. You know, it sucks. Like, I actually really like this set. I think this set's great. I kind of wanted to go over that. But uh, for everybody at home, if you didn't know, I missed last week because I've been in California for about the last four or five days for Flesh and Blood Worlds. I got home this morning. Okay, so it's 2.30, so 3.30 the afternoon for Ross Eastern. This is November 8th. It's a Tuesday. I had to actually check that, Ross. I did not know what day of the week it was anymore after the last few days. And uh, I'm just exhausted. So hopefully I can make it through the show today. Yeah, I, th- I think you'll be fine. I'll, I'll be all right. I'm a, I got a little energy drink right here and yeah. some water, and then uh, we're going to talk about the new set a little bit, which I'm super excited about. And then we're going to talk about something, uh, you know, Pioneer as a whole, which I'm a tiny bit less excited about, but then we're going to talk about a few more things that I am excited about. So, you know, we'll have a little roller coaster on this episode. Yeah. So how was how how Fab Worlds? We can start with the non-magic things. Uh, so, just up front, uh, probably one of the most fun events I've ever done as like a host or been to. Um, the venue wasn't the greatest. I think there was some, like, uh, some problems with getting a venue in time, even though they booked this like six or eight months ago, you know, getting 
you know, one big enough that could fit everybody while also being, you know, nice for a world championships. But that was quickly forgotten once like everything started going, you know, like the event started happening and we started working. Um, I don't know if you get to watch any of the coverage. I'll send you some photos or some video clips later. But uh, I opened the show in a, uh, in a in an outfit that if you didn't know it was me, I don't know if you would have recognized me. I had multiple people that weekend, like when I walked up. Oh, I, they I saw it. Yeah, they didn't know it was me until I talked to them because everybody at home doesn't know I, I am no longer a dark-haired man. I have like blonde hair. I was going for platinum, but we got blonde. And then um, I was wearing an American flag suit with American flag aviators, a bandana. Like I had a beard. It was just kind of ridiculous overall. It was not kind of ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I was draped in the American flag during one point. Um, it was it was mostly a bit, right? Like, it was just f- something fun to do. And America, when it comes to uh, the international events this year, like when we talked about the Pro Tours, had not shown up. And American had, like, not top-aided a Pro Tour, like, barely this year. And, you know, most top fours were all, like, Europeans or, like, Europeans and, like, Canadian would sneak in or something like that. When I say American, I mean USA, sorry. Because, obviously, Canadians are, you know, North Americans. But, anyway... Um, the U.S. really showed up this weekend. If, uh, I think it was like three of the top four were U.S. players. The finals was a U.S. affair, and the winner was the person that I picked before the tournament to win it all, who, if you've really kept up with Magic coverage over the last few years, especially like during the height of SCG, you might recognize the name Michael Hamilton. He has like three invitational top eights. Very good, and he was mostly in the running for the debate of like who the best player in the world is over the last year. And this just like utterly cemented him as the best player and put him in the spot where I don't know if you could take it from him anytime soon. You'd have to like win every event for like, you'd have to go in like a Kai like stretch to to make this happen. Cause like, so to put it in terms for everybody, like for, for magic stuff, like in the last calendar year, he's won multiple Grand Prix. He's won the U S national championships and he's won the world championships while top 16 in both pro tours. Like he was like one of the highest finishing Americans at both the pro tours. And uh, like, while he didn't top eight, you know, he's right there on the cusp. And it was awesome. I got to do an interview with him. He talked about how a month before the event, he quit his job to really, really focus on flesh and blood. Because he's like, look, I think I can make this work. You know, I've been doing really well this year. And I hate to use the word deserve when it comes to games. You know, you've heard me talk about this before. Like, we don't, like, actually deserve anything. You know, you just have to earn it and stuff. And he's a very fitting and a very deserving champion. Super humble. Just a great guy. Other than that, if it was awesome, like everybody was super happy uh, overall, pretty much like it was just a celebration. And we see it creep in every now and then Gottlieb and I talk about it a lot because, you know, we go back and like, you know, we have the magic ties more so than, you know, all the other people that I work with. You know, I know he's probably the person I, I know the best while I'm, while I'm there. And uh, we both talk about how like some of the negatives of the magic community creeps in, you know, the toxicity, the negativity, blah, 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 here or there, especially from like the ex magic player type people. But Overall, we helped quell that down quite a bit, and it just felt like a giant celebration. A lot of LSS, which is like Watsy for Flesh and Blood, you know, the company that makes it, a lot of them were at the event and were very uh, public-facing, asking and answering questions, including the, the creator of the game, who is, he's like a movie star when he's there, just constantly hounded the whole time kind of thing. So overall, really great experience. Uh, the travel wasn't that bad. <laughs> Though my travel home was extended by multiple, multiple hours last night because of a delay, so I'm extremely tired. But yeah, just 
a, a great event put on. Uh, I got a lot of cool keepsakes from the event, a lot of great memories, made some new friends. You know, what more What more can you ask? And, you know, I got to put a couple of dollars in my pocket too. So, like, just a win-win-win all the way down, you know? Nice. Um, so, uh, with Worlds happening, like, what is on the horizon for coverage sure. for FAB? So, that's a really good question. So, we don't have anything set yet for 2023. And then the few things I do know, I'm not allowed to talk about, uh, you know, because I... While I'm not like in the inner circle, like I don't know a bunch of stuff ahead of time, I do get some stuff. Uh, I just finished up the Goliath Gauntlet. That's the thing you and I I talked about a little bit that YouTube series that yeah. I helped create. It was wildly successful. Like our numbers on YouTube were great for a Flesh and Blood event. Um, it was about four months in the making. I worked my actual ass off to get this thing going, and then you know everybody else really really pulled their weight uh, when, when we got started. They were able to surgically put it back on, right? Yes. Um, it was like, have you ever seen, uh, what's that movie with Jack Black and he's like the, the buddy of the dude and they're like trying to get him to break up with his girlfriend. It's like saving it's Silverman. More, yeah. Saving Silverman. It's like the saving Silverman scene when he gets the ass implant. Yeah. Yeah. I just wasn't ready for that in that scene, but that's, that's what it is. I have an ass implants now. Anyway, Wh- whoever um, had saving Silverman a re- reference on their empty Durant's bingo, bingo card. You're doing well. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting the corner spots lately. You know, we've had saving Silverman and then we had, um, Oh my god! It is blanked in the movie that I told you to watch the the one with the mechs fighting the giant monsters. Godzilla uh, versus someone? No, 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 no! Not the Godzilla one. This was from Del Toro or whatever. Uh, oh, oh my Pacific god. Rim. Pacific Rim. Yeah, dude, my brain does not work today. Okay, I'm extremely <laughs> tired. Please, please forgive me, but I like how I've still never seen that movie. Yes. Know nothing about it. it like but you mentioned times. it two weeks ago, so yep. I'm there. Yep, I've, I've seen it like four or five times. See, the movie's absolutely great. Anyway. Um, you know, we had that going on and Flesh and Blood ran into a little bit of a problem that every major company ran into this year that's doing cards where they had to deal with delays this year. You know, we had, what was it like, um, Unfinity, I think is the new one called the new unset got extremely delayed. And so did some other stuff. And then every game did the same thing. Well, the new set called Dynasty comes out, I think this weekend, if I remember right, the same weekend as the new magic set, which a not ideal, right? B, it was supposed to come out like a month ago and impact worlds, and it just wasn't able to because they, you know, they couldn't get stuff out because A, there was a paper problem, and hey, do you want to hear the story of like what one of the other real problems was for everybody? I, f- I found it out this uh, recently. What? So the glue that is used on the cards, like to make cards or whatever, um, about 80% of the stuff that's used, that number could be wildly off but that's about what i heard about 80 percent of the glue that's used comes from texas okay do you remember earlier this year when texas had that really bad storm and they had that shitty electrical grid so they just didn't have power for four days yeah because their grid is is separate from everyone else yeah it's subsidized or whatever or something i don't know but all the glue comes from there and a lot of it's stored there and it's climate controlled so that right there screwed a lot of the major like stuff. So if you have any problems with like stuff not being getting out in the time, it's probably because of exactly that. So yet another reason to hate a lot of those politicians in Texas while they were you know fleeing to Cancun while everybody else just didn't have power and were freezing in their in their houses. So really cool stuff there. Um, so that delay like it kind of hurt in a way. Uh, it wouldn't have changed the limited format of this of the stuff. It would have changed constructed a little bit. But this constructed format's pretty great overall. There's like a ton of decks represented. And stuff it was really cool and as for you know the future we're gonna probably do another goliath gauntlet here because 
there's nothing major on the horizon for the next few months. You know, kind of like we just had our world championships. We're going to go into 2023 and do some stuff then, but it's going to be kind of like a little bit of a break. So uh, I talked to some of the people at LSS and I was like, hey, do you want us to like do another one of these so we could help hype Dynasty since, you know, you kind of got screwed on the timing of this and there's nothing for these people. Like, I don't think they have, a, you have a reason to play Flesh and Blood until January when the ProQuest season starts, which, which are their PTQs. Yeah. For, for everybody at home. So uh, maybe, you know, do a little bit more of that behind the scenes soon and yeah, take care of all that. So I mean, it's pretty typical to slow down towards the end of the year. Yours yeah, just came yeah. a little early. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to be traveling for the holidays. You know, your numbers should definitely go down and in, in, in for people showing up to stuff. Also, travel just sucks during December and January and February a lot. So I'm, I'm a big fan of yep. not having to travel during that time. Speaking of that, though, you and I both will be traveling uh, very soon. You're doing something this weekend. I'm probably not. You know, you're going to... Uh, where is it exactly? Is I'm, it Philly? I'm traveling four of the next five weekends, so... <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's hear it. What's your itinerary? I've got SCG Philly this weekend, then RC in Atlanta next weekend, then Thanksgiving weekend I'm off, then I'm with Todd back in Ohio doing commentary for Apex, Ooh. and, and another Apex Gauntlet show that Sunday, uh, and then the week after is the NRG showdown in Louisville. So what you're going to yeah. yeah three and then actually the week after that I'm doing Mana Traders commentary for their end of the year Invitational with Corey though that'll be in his basement so not much <laughs> traveling there. Finally, you get to go to Corey's basement for a fun reason. Or <laughs> so, uh, hey, the other reasons are also fun, just in a very different way. Just it depends on who's having the most fun there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of Atlanta, I'll, I'll actually be there. Somebody was messaging me in the, or somebody was talking in our Discord about it today. They were like, are you going just to hang out? And uh, I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to be working while I'm there. I am hosting the event from the on-site. Uh, all the commentary teams are going to be remote because uh, it, they're going to try that out. It's it's Honorog putting on a lot of the, of the work for uh, DreamHack. There's going to be a full team there, you know, getting everything done and ready. The commentators are going to be able to call in from home, but they wanted somebody, you know, on-site to like host the event do interviews, show off the site. Like I probably got to talk about some stuff that's like not magic related. So hopefully I don't make a complete idiot of myself and I can Google stuff really fast on my phone and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Cause they're like, yeah, you know, there might be like some Fortnite stuff there and some other stuff. I'm like, I've, I've seen Fortnite. Like, <laughs> like I know what it is. That's the extent of my knowledge. You know, I've seen the people running around and building stuff and jumping off and they can't, I think they can't even do that anyway, but you get to say, but I'm going to be there. Uh, I'll be the dude walking around with a microphone in his hand and a and a camera in his face probably a lot, but I should have a decent bit of time off while the actual event's going on. So make sure you know you come up, say hi to me, say hi to Ross. You know, super talking. Like, oh, if you're not busy, I'm like, look, if I'm not live on air, come bother me. You're you're not bothering me. I'm glad to shake hands, bump. I'm probably going to be fist bumping more because you know open hands. I'm going to bring a sign me. so I can bother you while you're commentating. Like, just say, hey, Tannen on it or mm, something? Yeah. It, it'll be like, you know, a sign from a sporting event, you know? Defense or something? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be like an acrostic. I'll, I'll have your name going down the side with just different words. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. You get a lot of words to start with in, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to get creative by the third one, I think. But um, anyway, so for, for the show today, we're going to be going over a little bit of that. You know, what Ross is going to be playing this weekend uh, and why. 
He said he just finalized his deck list. I'm sure you'll at least share a little bit of it with us. I haven't finalized my list, but oh, I'm... you did. I apologize. Yeah, that'll I'll get out to our patrons probably tomorrow night since we're leaving Thursday. Sure, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Atlanta. You know those formats, and then there was a list of cards, about ten cards that we didn't get to, or I'm sorry, you and uh, Tandy were unable to get to. That maybe you know some words need to be said about. So you and I are going to talk about those just a little bit on this week's episode, but. but before we get into that, was there anything else? It's kind of like spring cleaning in the universe. Anything else you wanted to get out there? I know I will say this. You don't have to say too much of it because we don't want to jinx it. And it's probably actually not that good of a thing. But the Jazz at 9-3 and three are leading the Western Division, Ross. It's a great thing. And they're, it's funny. you know, it's funny. they might never else. lose again. Uh, I, it, yeah. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, like the Warriors aren't winning. Like who else is going to? I mean, it, I'm going to laugh when it's like New Orleans, Dallas, and like. Utah and people are just like the world is ending <laughs> yeah in the West. Well, so the Jazz not only have their own pick in this upcoming draft but they also have Minnesota's pick from the Gobert trade Minnesota started out really poorly so they can end up in the lottery they also have the least favorable of Houston Brooklyn and Philly Houston we know is one of the worst teams in the league Brooklyn is a complete dumpster fire uh, for many reasons and Philadelphia has started out slow and is dealing with significant injuries. Harden out for the next month. Embiid has missed a little bit of time early. Uh, and I think they're five and six. So if all three of those teams uh, fuck it up, that could be another valuable pick. So the Jazz can conceivably do well this year beyond our wildest expectations and still end up with some valuable draft capital in what is supposed to be one of the best drafts of all time. Yeah, it's kind of like what we had talked about, uh, not in the last episode, but the one before, about New Orleans. Like, New Orleans is going to probably be good this year if they can stay healthy, probably make the playoffs, and they still just get to pilfer from L.A. And we have yes. that same thing going the next few years, and we've got some of Milwaukee's stuff, too, which they're they're just going to be good. They finally got a loss the other day for the first yeah. time. The uh, Funny that you had mentioned the Lakers, though, because the one thing that they have been good at this year is defense. So which is weird. So, so far, uh, they've been a good defensive team for, for a while. And they were dominant when they won the, the title uh, two, three years ago. But so this year, they, they started out quite well. Keep in mind, right now, average defensive rating is like 112.4, I think. Um, and it will probably come down a little bit from that. But uh, so let's say like 112 is average. So the Lakers defensive rating in the eight games they've played that weren't against Utah. 112, average. 99, elite. 105, excellent. 107, excellent. 103.7, elite. 110, fine. 102.7, elite. 111.9, average. In their two games against Utah, their defensive rating is 136.2 and 144.9. The Jazz have the best offense in the league right now. 117.4, I think, 117.6, something like that. Yeah. Um, Their defense is certainly going to regress. They've they've given up, um, or their opponents have shot a very low um, percentage from three so far this year, like 32.6. That should come up about three or four percentage points, which is a pretty significant difference. Their opponents have also shot a little bit below average from the free throw line, but that could be because their opponents are weaker free throw shooting teams. Like they've played two against the Lakers who are bad, two against the Grizzlies who are the worst in the league. So that might not unnecessarily balance out um, due to variance. That would balance out just due to playing better free throw shooting teams. 
Um, but they've played good teams so far, mostly. Like, they've had two games against the Rockets and two against the Lakers, who are bottom feeders. Though the one game they lost to the Rockets, they were playing their third game in four nights and on a back-to-back. Um, but their other, you know, eight games so far have all been against presumptive playoff teams. It's like two against Memphis, two against Denver, um, the Minnesota, New Orleans, um, and... Oh, there's got to be, I don't know, two other teams, whatever. Uh, so they've played some good teams. They've also played 12 games where most teams have only played like 10 or 11. So that they've played more back-to-backs. They've played eight games on the road already as opposed to only four at home. There's a lot to like here. If you had asked me before the season how many games I thought they were going to win, I would have said like 28 because largely in part, uh, largely due to the fact that I thought the veterans would get traded. Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gay. Um, though trading Rudy Gay would make the team better. He sucks. Uh, at this point, I am now thinking that they are going to keep Clarkson and Conley on the roster and win about, oh, 45 and be, just be a playoff team, which is absurd. I get, look, I just can't, I cannot believe that that happened or that that could happen. Um, but, and then not only that, they have been an absolute joy to watch. Like, but towards the end of the last era, the Jazz uh, offense, while it was very effective, you know, they, they, they were the number one offense in the league last year with Donovan and Rudy, um, it was not particularly fun to watch because it was a lot of ISO, it was a lot of off-the-dribble shooting, and there just wasn't as much ball movement. The Jazz now just moved the ball a ton. It's just, uh, everyone's having a great time. The vibes are amazing. It, I am having a blast. I am not having a blast. I just hit the shit out of my foot. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the hit. You might have heard the owl, but yeah, <laughs> apologize. L- Lowry Markkinen l- l- could be an all-star this year. Like, I love how you just didn't miss a beat there. You're like, Tanner, are you okay? Do we need to take a moment? Just keep talking about random no, you'll be players fine. I've never heard of. <laughs> Lowry Markkinen was the it. seventh overall pick of the draft about five years ago Uh from Chicago, for Chicago. For yeah, he played for the Bulls, and there's a lot of hype. Yeah, I was joking. Yeah, his, in particular, his second year was really good. And then after that, they just, like, didn't feature him in the offense. Uh, like, reduced his role in his third and fourth years, and then traded him to Cleveland. And then Cleveland had, you know, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, a bunch of great players. So, like, he just didn't have as much of a role there either. And now he is the number one option on this team, and he's just balling out it's awesome he's set he's seven feet tall can handle the ball can shoot can post people up uh you know is a smart cutter he's been rebounding like crazy he's averaging over nine rebounds a game uh it's it's awesome it is uh, oh this is so good i i was dreading this season and the first month of it has been an absolute pleasure you sound aroused almost honestly i also i saw someone on Twitter post a picture of a betting slip they had and they bet on the Jazz being in first place in the West on November 30th. So if the Jazz can hold be in first place 3 weeks from now, this person is going to win $9,375 for their $62.50 bet. It was plus 15,000. That's unreal. <laughs> I'm like Everybody home, there was like that little pause. It was just because I my 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 jaw was I was been picking up off the floor. That's just yeah. unreal. So, what, 
the, if I if I don't stop now, I'm gonna keep talking. You know, I, I'm gonna about to stop you. We're gonna start talking yeah, about magic cards for right for hours because th- there's just so much. Uh, mm-hmm, there's, sure, sure. It's well, people oh, are gonna have to deal so with. Good. People are gonna have to really have to deal soon with some very random stuff because uh, MLB free agency technically started like yesterday, <laughs> and it's it's the longest and slowest free agency of all the sports by a freaking yeah. large margin. Now I'm like, gonna be the one that hears names that I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'll probably talk about like the impactful stuff, like you know where where Aaron Judge goes, you know, like the the literal MVP of the the American League and like one of the best seasons we've seen in a long time as yeah. a free agent. He's going to get a bajillion D dollars. Yes, I know that's not a real amount, but I assume it, he just resigns in New York. That's I think that's the favorite to happen, but I do think that a there's a chance he doesn't want to play in New York. That's been a, a thing that's been coming up for quite a while, and b I think there's a chance that the Giants just literally like hand him a blank check and they're like, here, do you, do you want to play here? If Aaron Judge like, breaks Roger Maris's record and then pieces out of New York, I just, I don't know I'll, what, I'll, I I'll don't know how to deal with that amount of happiness, Tannen. Well, here, there's that. And if you know a Yankee fan and they I know, know anything many. about baseball and they know anything about baseball, you're going to need to check on them when that happens because that team is going to be so bad if he leaves. Like, their offense is anemic without him. Like, very, very bad. And anyone who tells you that it's not is kidding themselves. Yeah. Unless their offense is John Carlos Stanton gets in a time machine. Yeah. I mean, he has his months where he's very good still. I mean, there's yeah, a reason why. But it's but two like, months out of the year instead of yeah. five. And he can't stay on the field the other months. But anyway, all right. So let's talk about some of these cards that someone was nice enough to uh, write all out for me. So um, I'm... Let's go ahead. We're going to start out with the one Blade Coil Serpent. This is one that I'm actually kind of excited about. I like this card. Is this the Grixis Six Drop? Yeah, I'm going to read it for everybody at home. So Blade Coil Serpent is a artifact creature serpent. Cost X and 6. Uh, it's a mythic and it's a 5-4. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card for each blue-blue that was spent to cast it. Uh, same thing happens for black-black, except your opponent discards a card. And the same thing happens for red-red, but it gets plus 1, plus 0, and gains trample and haste till end of turn. Ross, I'm not so sure about actual constructed, unless this is like the top end of certain kinds of decks. Like I could see it being in mono black. I could see it possibly being in like a mono red thing. Not so sure about a blue deck. Maybe a Grixis deck if Grixis mid range is a thing. And this is an absurd top deck as the game goes on. But limited, obviously a huge bomb. I can't wait to cast this card in cube and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, this is this is a cube card that I've ever, ever seen one and. This is my kind of card. Like this card, like sings to me. I'm interested to see where the constructive formats go and say, like, I mean, I I do think there's a chance that like the there's like a there, there's like a, a sequence of these for all the kinds of color combinations and colors. Like there's some like mono green. Well, you know what I mean. Like there's there's a bunch yeah. that are like this. I want to play in a standard format where these cards are playable and good. Well, I mean, feel like if, you, if you look of, at the way standard is now, it's a lot of grindy midrange yeah. decks, and one of them and, is Grixis. And, like, yeah, these cards are very good in grindy formats when you make all your land drops. Yeah. That said, we, do, we just saw at Worlds, you know, this rise of blue tempo decks, whether it was Is It or Mono Blue, uh, and they did quite well in the standard portion, so I imagine those will be a bigger part of standard moving forward. And I also think aggro got a pretty big boost from this set, so... Not sure if the standard format is going to stay so mid-range dominant uh, moving forward, but I, I could easily see this card slotting into some role in Grixis mid-range. I don't think it'll be, you know, a four-of slam dunk, but if it's there as, you know, a one-of, one or two-of or a sideboard card for those kind of attrition-oriented matchups, 
I, you're exactly right. This card is great in those. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the time you're going to cast it at six mana and get two of the triggers. I think it might end up being hard to have exactly blue, blue, red, red, black, black, though sometimes you will. Um, I think more of the time you're going to want to cast this card as, you know, blue, 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 black, black, and draw two, have them discard one, unless you're trying to, like, attack down a Planeswalker or something. And then, obviously, as the game goes along and you're able to just filter extra mana into the X, you know, you could get three cards off of it and it be a haste creature, and now, you know, it's really game-breaking. And yeah, like I definitely me, agree with you. This is, a, you know, this is a cool card. Yeah, like, when you look at it, Obviously, it jumps off the paper, right? We talk about that a lot about these cards. Jumps off the paper, looks great. It passes the eye test. What does it? What does it also do, Ross? It gets on base, but it passes the eye test. Sorry, I had to make that reference for the for the few people at home that got that one. Uh, he got a little, I had a little smile at Ross. He got it a little bit, but I understand. Uh, when you look at it, I want people at home to look at it and like because you're gonna cast this as, as a six drop very often. And if the card said like two blue blue red red. Uh, when this comes into play, draw a card, and it's a it's a it's a six four with trample and haste. Is is that good enough? And in some formats, in standard, no, that's not. But in this one, maybe it is. I will say this: the fact that it's an artifact creature is kind of big too, because I think a braid is going to be like the best freaking card. Like any braid like effect or whatever that's going on is going to be absurd, and you're going to see people play a lot of stuff like that, including um, what is it? Destroy evil. The white removal spell that kills something of four toughness or more plus can kill enchantment. enchantment. Yeah, those cards are already busted, and so you're just playing into the two mana removal spells of the format that you've put a lot of uh, mana into. And also, I do think that the way all of this is moving, the way this format looks, I think Essence Scatter is going to be a very, very good card in standard moving forward. If people are going to be playing six and eight drops and stuff like that, um, I'm also interested to see if Power Stones show up in standard and i think there there's a chance they might because these colorless cards are pretty freaking sweet in this deck so i mean in this set so we'll have to see any last thoughts on that one before i move on to the next one no i think it's pretty clear what, where its role is um uh, it would be cool if there was like a pioneer deck you could karn for it in and make grixis mana but you mean a fair karn deck and not a busted karn deck that'd be great yeah but those don't exist Speaking of searching for artifacts, this next one is uh, one that does that quite a bit, or will possibly do that quite a bit. Sorry for the noise outside. I've got some large trucks driving around the house. Okay. Next one is Haywire Might. It's a one-mana artifact creature. It's an insect. It's a 1-1. One, one. When it dies, you gain two life, and you can pay green to sacrifice it and exile target non-creature artifact or non-creature enchantment. Uh, a lot of people talking about this one as a Urza Saga target. Yeah. It's also a way to kill Moon out of Urza's Saga, with Urza's Saga to kill Blood Moon. Uh, well, I, I see some problems with that. Yeah, you can't... <laughs> there's a very obvious problem in that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work, or you might not have green mana. You yeah. Know, so you and and if, you're, your if you're already tutoring drawing. with your Urza's Saga, you're really not worried about their Blood Moon at that point. You already got your value. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I do think that this is possibly a card that you might see show up for like possible sub-matches. I do think the hype might be a tiny bit overblown for this but i've been way wrong before but this is pretty cool you know it does it goes and gets you a, a you know a body that in some matchups might be good too against like maybe some aggro decks but like i'm just trying to find the exact fit for this and what against what matchup and like maybe i'm kind of missing it um you know i think it's pretty good against burn because disenchants against them are so, generally good they've got royal vortex and uh eidolon 
Is is Burn getting played more again recently? It, it's like, always overrepresented in paper, so sure. Yeah, um, I guess we'll say that's, it, that's fair. Yeah, the cards cards that like this that have an obvious function are always a little bit overhyped, um, because you know it's just clear that they are going to see play, and uh, but it's not going to do much more than that. Like it, it's an Urza Saga target. It go, slots very nicely into a sideboard of Teamer Breach or Gruel Breach, um, you know, over one of your other Disenchant effects. Um, I, I I've been thinking about a way to play it in Jeskai because you have drum, but it's like, well, you need to tutor for the drum a lot of the time. That's what but I was then you say, can't you tutor for this ahead of time. Yeah, it's just, there's so many problems. I do think there's a chance that it might show up in standard, especially if there's like the colorless green deck that looks like there might be in standard that could be aggressive. And the fact that, you know, this is an early drop for that deck, you know, hits your artifacts quota for other reasons, and then is a way to remove something like Blade Coil Serpent or whatever out of the way and keep attacking, or to kill one of these really good three-mana enchantments that a lot of decks is gonna, are going to have. And yeah, like removal it's, it's, a, it's a solid disenchant effect, like the, the, and the fact that it exiles can be quite relevant in, in uh, against certain um, decks, you know, the life gain can be relevant. Um, there's also you know. a chance that it's gonna it's gonna slot into the sideboards of some Karn decks too, like yeah. Mono Green and Pioneer. Like you know, if you just need that effect or whatever, you can like like you know, if there's a bunch of Karn decks and people are always going to go get something, you're like, okay, well, I have this answer to all of them. It's also life gain in a matchup where I might just need to survive. Like it's a blocker plus life gain. Can you imagine you're playing against Aggro and you have like a little bit of mana? It's like. All right, well, I'll go get this one drop, play this one drop. It's going to block. I'm going to sacrifice. Like, do you have to have a target to sacrifice it? I think you do, yes. right? But when you block, you I mean, when you when it dies, you get the two life. So no yeah. matter what. So it, it does, you know, create that little bit of buffer to maybe get you to the next turn to where you can activate your Nykthos for 10 instead of 6 and really win the game kind of thing. So I can see it getting played in some sideboards, maybe some main boards of very specific decks, but just a solid role player for sure. Yeah, it's just a solid disenchant that comes in a very unique package that allows it to synergize with things like Urza Saga and Karn. Yeah. Uh, another one that we're going to go over here might slot in some already existing decks. This one had a lot of hype when it got spoiled, and I was laughing when I saw y'all saying, oh, we just got done recording with uh, with Todd, and then this card got spoiled right after that, and everybody got really excited, and that is Diabolic Intent is in this, is in this set. For everybody at home, if you somehow don't know what this card does... It's one in a black sorcery. As an additional cost of the spell, sacrifice a creature, search your library for a card, and then put it into your hand, shuffle your library. So it's just Diabolic Tutor with an extra casting cost. Very, very, very powerful card for obvious reasons. Searching for a specific card from your deck and putting it in your hand is broken. You do have the extra cost here. Uh, you have to pay that cost no matter what. So if it gets hit by a counter spell, you do lose out on a ton of value. Generally, you're sacrificing something cheap or something that has some value and it dies. I'm looking at you, red, black, sacrifice decks. Like that. So possibly finding a home and something like that, like, you know, hey, you've got all of your stuff and you just need your oven, right? Or you need your mayhem devil. And you could play like a copy of this, sacrifice something, go get, you know, go get that specific card. A lot of people are talking about this getting played in Grease Fang was a big deal. You know, sacrificing maybe one of the one drops, you know, to mill some more cards, go find the exact card you need, like Grease Fang itself to go off. The thing I will say about this, though, is the uh, opportunity cost of putting this card in your deck. You have to draw this card, you have to take the full turn to cast it most of the time, and it doesn't really curve into Grease Fang unless you're curving absolutely perfectly and have things go your way. Yeah, and at which point, you know, relative to Eldritch Evolution, it's now a 5-mana Grease Fang instead of a 3-mana Grease Fang. Um, so, you know, better, uh, you know, not draw, but I would say 
likely worse overall, though you also get utility. Like, you know, how valuable is it to be able to find your one of Sky Sovereign when you need it, or find Azika's Chariot when you're just trying to win a fair game, or find the Witherbloom command so you can answer their rest in peace. Um, so that, it's it's not really clear cut, uh, you know, which one is better because there's clear strengths and weaknesses on each side. But definitely a very interesting card. I think could potentially slot into uh, you know sacrifice decks and give them more combo potential. You just you know find second mayhem devil more often. You more aggressively set up your cat oven and have that you know so much more often. So how valuable is it for Racto Sacrifice to have like two copies of this card and just be able to assemble all of their synergies more reliably? Yeah, and and that's kind of what you know drew me in on this card exactly and i know you're a recto sacrifice guy recently oh, yeah. in the last couple of years you've kind of gravitated towards that stuff and this, this one seems to be kind of a natural fit in some numbers possibly there where your man is not as as much at a premium in the early game as some of the other ones plus you just have so much fodder to give this yeah there's a lot of creatures in standard and a pioneer that you can kind of throw away here yeah, and maybe there's like weirdo combo decks that this helps to enable. I, I haven't looked super deep in, into what it can do, but I'm in the uh, it's not broken, but it has potential camp. Yeah, because exactly. I, I've seen like every opinion on this card from it's completely unplayable to it's going to be banned. <laughs> this might have the widest spread of opinions that I've seen on oh, social media. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, I think you're right there. Uh, the next one is a white sorcery called Laid Down Arms, and uh, this one's really cool. If you look at the artwork, it kind of has an homage to Swords to Plowshares in it quite a bit, and you'll see why. It's a white, one white sorcery. Exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains three life. This is an interesting card. So, you need a lot of planes, obviously. There's ways to get around this in multicolored decks. You know, we have a lot of dual lands. We have a lot of tri-lands, so we can kind and, of make it to where... And yeah, and note it says it says planes, not basic planes. Right, it says planes. That's a big so deal. So your triomes and your shock um, lands all count. Being sorcery sucks, but exiling is huge. Especially nowadays, these creatures all having 1,800 abilities, so that's really big. I could definitely see this card being a player in standard if certain things break its way or if certain things break its way in Pioneer. And we've even seen mono white decks kind of coming up in Pioneer where like there's the creature deck. And then I've been hearing that other people are playing this mono white control deck apparently in Pioneer. And though I can't find a list anywhere to save my life. Uh, I know a friend of mine recently top eight at an event uh, at like one of the energies playing the deck and did really well with it. So I'm wondering if maybe it could fit there. I'll say this. This is a card that... I, I kind of hope this card is good. Like, I can, I'm can i okay with this card being good. If you get what I'm trying to say there. Like, yeah. I, I like cards like this. That like, yeah, you you have to kind of tailor your mana base to it, but it gives you a good payoff for it. Yeah, I'm I'm always wary of sorcery speed removal. Um, exactly. That really puts a limit on, on what, what it can do. But... The fact that this, you know, hits one drops on turn one is, you know, text box agnostic as to what it answers later in the game uh, is really exciting. It's a, it's, it's nice to see some really efficient removal spells, but you have to work hard to get them as opposed to things like fatal push and, you know, the, um, like prismatic ending. Uh, where they slot into just so many decks that they become completely dominant. This is, this, this card kind of, to me, fits in the Reckless Rage category. 
You know, Reckless Rage is a card that's seen some uh, a good amount of Pioneer play over the years, largely because it does something that like no other card can do at one mana dealing four damage at instant speed. But the fact that you have to deal two to something else, to a creature you control, forces it to only go in specific decks. And it really elevates those decks a lot. I think it's a big reason why Boros Heroic and Isn't Prowess have been competitive decks in Pioneer. They have this really ultra-premium removal spell that no other deck can play. So if there are decks that can play this card effectively, it can elevate them similarly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if somewhere the right kind of control deck paired it with like three mana to fairy or something like that, but that might just be too cute and stuff like and, that. So. And there are there is like the the blue white control decks in Pioneer that are playing a bunch of triomes so that they can cast uh, leyline binding. Yeah, and like maybe they can play this one too. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how the rest of their mana base works. Like the, they probably don't play irrigated farmland because they need a bunch of triomes. And that's too many tap lands. Um, so they Blue probably White just have making, Hallowed Fountain and Basics beyond that. Blue White is making a resurgence in Pioneer quite a bit. It actually did pretty well in the, the, the challenges this weekend. When I say that, I mean, it's like, it's starting to show up in top eights again, where I hadn't yeah. seen it that much. And one of my friends is actually heavily considering playing it for the, uh, for the RC. Cause he's like, I don't hate its mono green matchup. And I expect mono green to be freaking everywhere at that event. Speaking of mono green, uh, the next card we're going to talk about is called Bushwhack. And uh, this is one that I actually kind of like, and Brendan Candio obviously likes this card. This has got Brendan Candio written all over it. It's a one green mana sorcery, and it has choose one. It's got two modes. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle. Or target creature fights, target creature you don't control. So it's lay of the land and, and prey upon in one card. And so this is a card, I don't know if it's good enough for older formats, but possible in some decks in Pioneer whenever Mono Green gets the ine inevitable ban that I think it's going to see. And we see some different decks possibly, but I definitely see this as a possible player in Standard with mana being so important in Standard right now and making sure that you have all of your colors. And then a card that is something like Lay of the Land early in the game and can still do something late in the game. Like some people have compared this to be like, this is this sets a tune with Aether. And I think that's way too, uh, way too good of a comparison, like saying that like you're thinking this card is way better than it is, but I do think this card has a lot of potential. Um, it has, I would say, it has some potential. The idea that a tune with Aether was this like broken card just because it was the, one of the ones they chose to ban, I think, is nonsense. The cards that made Energy busted, in case anyone was wondering, were Aether Hub and Harness Lightning. The Aether Hub was just an incredible five-color land once you enabled it by playing all the energy cards, and it made their their mana a lot better. Attune helped, but Hub definitely led the way there. And then they had the best removal spell in Standard in Harness Lightning. It was basically just Terminate. And so they had the best removal and reasonable creatures and the best mana so that they're, they could always adapt. Like the energy decks, if you actually remember... Almost always, like didn't do that well on week one or two. You know, you'd see one or you'd see some sneak in because they were popular, but there were other decks that seemed to, to do better. And it all like every season, it looked like, oh, we might have, you know, we might have finally done it because there were like four different energy bannings, right? And by the end of the season, the, the you just figured out how to build the energy deck to beat what else was good, and it was the best deck. And it, that the reason we were able to do that is because their mana was way better, and they already had the like such an incredible removal spell to start with. There, you didn't have many other holes to plug in terms of what you needed to answer. So, um, 
the idea that like this card reads similarly with a tune of aether, so it must be really good, is kind of nonsensical to me. Um, it's clearly worse than you know Traverse the Ulvenwald to compare it to another Lay of the Land plus. Um, but it, it this I hope it's good. This is the kind of card that I like playing with. Same, um, same. When these cards are good, I think Magic is good. Yeah, and and it should be good enough for Standard. The question is just whether green midrange decks are good enough because they just keep getting completely obliterated by Grixis and Esper. And I don't think this is the kind of card that like puts them over the top relative to those midrange decks. Yeah, your curve isn't good enough to beat the decks that when they start casting their three and four mana spells that are like three and four colors, you're just not yeah. keeping up as much. So. And like your be- your best spells are like the five mana one, like the 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 Thrag Tusk card, and they just counter it because yeah. they all have blue. De- they're all blue decks. Um, so essence scatter you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I don't know if this is the card that puts green decks over the top, but if there are reasonable green mid range decks, this should go into them in standard. Yep, definitely can see that. Uh, speaking of green decks in Standard or Pioneer, this next card is called Audacity. It's a one green mana enchantment aura. It says enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has trample. And then when this is put into the graveyard, the Audacity. When the Audacity is put in the graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. Okay. This isn't my kind of magic card. Like, I'm not, I'm the one of the last people you ever see cast Rancor unless the deck's just utterly busted or it's the exact same right weekend for it. But I'm not going to be the person that's going to go out and play Boggles a lot. You know what I mean? I can see this card exciting people for Boggles. I also could see this card, if there's a green Stompy deck in either format, playing a good role. Because here's the thing plus two, plus oh, whatever. Trample, now you have my attention. That's a big deal. The fact that someone can't put a random creature in front of yours and just buy the time to cast their bigger, more expensive spell that's super busted, like we were just talking about. And then the fact that if this card resolves, it's going to replace itself. Most of the time, it's going to. It's one green mana. You're going to put it on this creature that you had resolved. The problem is when you start putting us on creatures and then your opponent removes that creature in response, you probably just lost the game. And you're not always going to have creatures with Shroud. You're not always going to have creatures with Hexproof and stuff like that. So. We'll see how this works out. I do say this card looks good on paper, though. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a very solid aura. This combined is really combined with Brushland to me to, to boost Selesnya auras as a color pair. We've seen Orzov, uh, and we've seen a little bit of Azorius, um, but. Celestia like didn't have as good of mana as Orzov, didn't have the card advantage that uh, Azorius had. Now these two things help catch it up on both fronts. And you, when you play Celestia Auras in Pioneer, you do get access to Glade Cover Scout. No Slippery Bogle, that one's not legal. It's from uh, from Eventide, I believe, uh, because it's a Simic card. But you do get at least one Hexproof creature. You can go bigger on Hexproof creatures if you want to, with either Basara Tower Archer as a green-green 2-1 Hexproof with Reach, or you can play Paradise Druid, um, which, you know, yeah, you can use as a mana creature, but is a 2-1 Shroud creature as long as you can give it Vigilance. Those builds tend to play more copies of Sentinel's Eyes so that they can give it Vigilance uh, and have it be an effective uh, Shroud creature or Hexproof creature. Uh, Yeah, not Shroud. Hexproof creature there. and so you can move it in that direction. I have a brew that uh, I think might be interesting for this deck that instead goes to try to enable Mox Amber playing because you're already playing Sram and uh, uh, Light Eyes. And then if you just play Kithian as one of your one drops, 
I know, like, not the best one drop because, it, you know, it, it kind of protects itself if you have a bunch of mana. Uh, also awkward if you ever attack with three creatures um, and they're not dead if it's the thing that you've been pumping with a bunch of auras. But, you know, being able to play one of those powerful two drops on turn two and then have an immediate follow-up of an aura to generate value, I think, is really powerful. Audacity slots really well into that deck. So, yeah, uh, I, th I think that might become, like, a solid tier two archetype. Um, with with those additions, and Audacity is definitely a big part of it. Yeah, we talked about some pretty good one mana cards, so let's keep that stream yeah. going. With the, Dreams Audacity is also a card. Like Rankers seem playing like green aggro decks too, right? Like yeah, you could course. just go just you know, like, the turn two yeah. Steel of Champion deck can just yeah. you know pump up Steel of Champion and go to town. Yeah, I mean like that was, that was a big thing, right? Like turn two to five four, and they would just like play any creature to be like, yeah, I'm gonna gain five life, and, take some, and you're like, give a trample, and you're like, oh shit, I think I'm dead. Like I'm getting yeah. a million from this. So we, we could see Audacity in a deck like that as well. For sure. That, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And speaking of more one-mana cards, Dream of Steel and Oil is next. This card I actually just missed on the spoiler. It must come out one of the days where I didn't check it. And this one's pretty cool. This is a one-black mana sorcery, and it says, Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an artifact or creature card from it, then choose an, an artifact or creature card from their graveyard, exile the chosen cards. Do you have to have a, a target in the graveyard? You don't have to, right? Because it only targets the opponent. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, the only target is the opponent. So, yeah, you don't have to have an artifact or right. creature in either, okay, cool. in either zone to cast I the card. I think this card is very castable in standard. Um, yeah, see, in, in certain metagames, it going, should be. Yeah, well, with the way this format's going, I, I, I think this card is very castable in standard. And if it's not, like, absurdly castable main deck, then this is going to be something you're going to see as, like, possible three or four of in certain sideboards or certain matchups. So they're going to try to trade one mana for the best card in your hand. Yeah. Or take you off curve. Especially for, for an aggro deck being able to exile like Rock's Warchief, you know, and make sure they can't even uh, blitz it. Being able to, you know, exile other unearthed creatures, um, you know, d do whatever, really. Yeah, exile uh, is big here, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, like, cool ways to re rebuy th uh, mana value three or less creatures in this set, so you could, like, disrupt those. Um, so, yeah, add it. They've tried to print this kind of like ostracized plus variant for a while. There's been a lot of different versions, and none of them have really hit. But I do think this seems like the best one thus far. Yeah, the, everyone that I've seen so far, when I start to read it, you kind of like start to grin. You're like, "Oh, here we go!" And at the end, you're left unsatisfied. You're left <laughs> wanting this one. I'm like, "Oh, you know, you get the yeah. you get the head tilt." You know I think I mean? that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, you get the little head tilt. You're like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute," you know. Um, this seems really good against decks like Grease Fang and stuff in Pioneer as well. I don't know if it has overreaching enough in, it depends on what, you know, Pioneer looks like, but for you to have this in say your main deck kind of thing. And that's the stuff that I kind of worry about, you know? Yeah. Hard to main deck this card in, in older formats, especially when there are certain decks that just, you know, it's not going to yeah. be effective against. Yep. So, uh, a card that we're going to talk about next, this is a really cool, uh, hate card that got printed in this set. This is called Calamity's Wake. So one in a white is an instant. Exile all, exile all graveyards. Blech. Players can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Exile Calamity's Wake. So this one is kind of like, you know, a one-time rest in peace effect, but also kind of like a mini silence at the same time. Uh, this is one that, depending on certain metagames, or if your deck just has a problem with certain kinds of decks, this could get played a decent amount. The, thing, the fact that it exiles itself, though, you know, you can't really, like, 
get this back of say like Snapcaster Mage and formats where that's legal or something like that where you can buy stuff back. But that's pretty good because otherwise this card is just fucking time walk. It gets a lot of decks and you don't want people getting time walked multiple turns in a row. But I could definitely see this one show up as like a sideboard card. I would rather this card drew a card, obviously, but that's asking way too much, I think. Yeah, that's probably asking too much. And as printed, I'm not high on this card. Um, Same. I know, you know, ever, you know, graveyard hate is a thing that, you know, most decks and most metagames need or want access to. But um, this one is very awkward in that you have to constantly leave two mana up. And, you know, that makes it easier for your opponent to sniff out and play around. And you're sacrificing mana every turn in order to, to keep holding it up. And so that becomes a, a, a real disadvantage. Um, and, uh, you know, you compare it to the kinds of effects that see play. They're all proactive things that at most ask you to leave up one mana. Like Relic of Progenitus or Nile Spellbomb, which you didn't need to, but you wanted to. Um, uh, but then like Tormod's Crypt, you don't need any mana up. Rest in peace, you cast, and then it just does its thing. Lay on the Void, same. Um, so, you know, all of those kinds of cards. Unlicensed her again, same thing. You know, get to two mana, and then cast it, and, you know, you can... It doesn't further impact your own development. This card, it just... The fact that it does that um, is really problematic and makes it a lot more difficult to play with and a lot easier to play around as i said and then the added text on it doesn't really add much to me like i think you're playing this card to be a piece of graveyard hate and like what are you worried about with the, them casting yeah like m maybe sometimes you'll like cast this on dredge's draw step to hit some narcomibas and then you stop them for a turn uh so they like can't cast their cathartic reunion and then you untap and have counter spell mana up I guess like that's the ideal, but you're the only reason you're in that situation is because your other you're playing graveyard hate that forced you to commit two mana, uh, you know, on the exact turn that that you needed to disrupt their graveyard. If you just played a Tormod script, you you could have done both and you would have been fine. So I yeah I, I'm I'm not high on this one, and uh, I don't expect it to see much play unless there's like some unique case like a. Like you said, I, I could have seen it with like snap in Snapcaster decks. Not that there are many of those around these days, but mm -hmm. it exiles itself, so you don't get two uses out of it with Snapcaster. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of white cards that might get played in some of these formats, is one that I think will. Uh, apparently, y'all didn't get to this one, but you and I definitely spoke on this one a few weeks ago, and that's Recruitment Officer. This is one of the first previews of this set. It's a one-drop human soldier. It's a two-one. Uh, that's already great. That's already like really great for reasons we'll talk about in a second, but it does have an ability. Three and white, look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal a creature card of mana value three or less from among them, put it in your hand, put the rest in the bottom in, any, in a random order. So I think it's a big, big deal to talk about that this is a human and a soldier because we've really seen a lot of soldier payoffs printed in the last year, including this set. That's the way that the mono white decks are pushing uh, lately. Plus, we still have human payoffs in Pioneer. And if there is a, like, white aggro deck in Standard, I think a lot of it's going to go around the Soldier cards because we do have a Soldier Lord in Standard and some other stuff that does, like, really cool stuff out of the graveyard. And you have a ton of those in Pioneer. So I see this card definitely being a player in Standard and Pioneer. I completely agree. I think it's going to be a staple of white aggressive decks in both of those formats. Um, probably... I know you're excited about getting just another playable one-drop as well. 
Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's it's probably going to replace the Raven Inspector. Most people have Soldier of the Pantheon. I like to play with Raven, but is has Emma? Have you checked in on Emma? Is she doing okay? <laughs> I, th- I think she'll live. Yeah. Uh, but th- this one, I think, you know, slots perfectly right next to Dauntless Bodyguard and and um, Hopeful Initiate, and uh, is quite powerful. Like, you know, it- it's easy to say like, oh, if you're like spending four men on this, things are probably not going well. Like, you could have said the same thing about Spectral Sailor. And we both know that Spectral Sailor is completely unbeatable. Spectral Sailor is new best friend. Don't don't say anything bad about it. Yeah, this is just the white Spectral Sailor. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's a great way to put that, actually. You know, it's decent enough to draw at all the points of the game, too, where, I mean, how many times have you played White Weenie where, like, you're playing out a game, you make your fourth or fifth land drop, someone kills all your creatures, and they're kind of out of stuff to do, and you're kind of out of stuff to do, and then you draw a Savannah line, and you're like, well, this could have been better. Yeah. And this is it. And... If you get that activation and you hit something like one of your big time lords that costs three, or there's some other really big three drops in this format, I mean, you can really get going. Yeah, you know what other card this card is good with is extraction specialist. Like you, Ooh, you play I this early it. as your two one. They eventually kill it, cast a sweeper or whatever, and then you bring it back. I don't really need to attack a block with my two one. I just need to activate its ability and draw a bunch more cards. Exactly. So those games don't have those games are pretty few and in, 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 uh few and far in between but like they do come up every now and then so yeah and they come up and this is card is already giving you a one mana two one in both relevant creature types so like it's doing the thing you want it to do anyway in your normal games but and then it's also helping you win a few extra long games that you otherwise wouldn't and i don't think soldier of the pantheon attacking through blood tithe harvester or surviving dread boar is worth more equity than what this card can do uh, next, we have a good removal spell, and kind of along the lines of what Wizards has been wanting to do the last couple of years with our two-mana removal spells in Standard and Black, is they're very conditional. And this one is Go for the Throat. So that's one of the Black instant. Destroy target on artifact creature. Just in case you didn't know at home, this is a reprint. This was originally printed in Mirrored and Besieged. Um, it has seen play up and down many formats. We've seen it all the way into Modern as a two-mana removal spell at some point. Yeah, it never really saw a lot of play in Modern. Right at the time when two mana removal was playable in modern and that was largely because of the presence of affinity as one of the major aggro decks in those days and like not being able to kill blink moth nexus which was also relevant against infect back then so it wasn't a big player in modern usually they, they opted for something else but it was sort of on the level and it was the only reason it didn't see play were significant uh or specific metagame considerations yeah exactly and i could see that happening here in standard like let's see what happens in standard what the what the creatures look like and if it's what standards look like for the last few years. Yeah, maybe this starts to show up as a two-mana removal spell because it's going to hit most of the things in standard. I don't think it'll be a four of. And then there's also the chance that a lot of the decks are going to be playing a lot of these artifact creatures from the new set, and this card's just kind of unplayable. There's also the chance this shows up a decent bit in Pioneer, even though it doesn't line up well against, say, like the vehicles that are becoming very popular. You know, Boat, Chariot, and Greasefang are all very, very popular in Pioneer right now, but... This does kill practically every creature out of the red-black deck and out of the mono-green deck that isn't Boat. So um, I could see this maybe becoming like a one or two of somewhere as like just a good removal spell because while it hasn't been super popular, like Nasif and some other people have been playing blue-black control in Pioneer and they've been switching out their two-mana removal spells a lot, trying to find the right one. And there's only like one or two of them in the deck, and you can kind of get around it where it's bad. So like, you know, maybe this is one of the ones they'll, they'll lean towards. Maybe. 
Um, yeah, it's it, it's an option. It's but the, this isn't any sort of world beater like you know metagame changing card. It's just another option. And as far as standard goes, like there's a reason this card gets printed in artifact sets, so that you know in in most standard environments, Gopher Throat would be amazing, and, and it would be a premium removal spell uh, in you know every single black deck, and would bias the metagame towards decks that could play it. But there's going to be you know good artifact threats unless they completely screwed up in the way they designed the set. So, um, you know, it, it'll be a, a question of how prevalent those are on any given weekend. And, that, you know, uh, this is just another one of those cards that creates that metagame churn where people play more artifact threats when it's popular and then you stop playing it. And then, you know, they play fewer artifact threats because you're playing other removal that matches up well against those. And, you know, you keep going back and forth like that. Uh, the next one is another one-mana spell. This one is Lauren's Escape. It's a one-mana white instant. Target artifact or creature gains hexproof and indestructible to turn scry one. Add this to the list of all the good one-mana stuff for the aggro decks like Heroic that want something like this effect. And it has the extra tack-on that you need to like really set it aside in those decks. You need to either be scrying or drawing a card along with them, or they need to be busted for you to be playing them. So this is just another one of those long lines of stuff. And depending on, I, I mean, I'm not sure I see a deck in standard that really wants this, but these do, do do have a chance of showing up every now and then as well. So it just depends on if one of those pioneer decks wants this as a difference than the other ones. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're always going to play God's willing uh, first yeah. and foremost, because you can use it proactively to get through blockers. Um, but this is probably the next best one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of next best one, the next one is, it took me a minute when I was reading this card to figure out what they were trying to accomplish, and then I figured it out. So this is Demolition Field, and for everybody at home, you might recognize a lot of this text. So it's a land, it taps for colorless, you can pay two and tap it, you can sacrifice Demolition Field, destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls, the land's controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle. You may search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle. So, Field of Ruin, right? I, I Like, the first three yeah. times I read this, Field of Ruin. This is actually a fixed Field of Ruin for stuff like Commander. And so, uh, you know, we've already got Field of Ruin for most of the other formats. This is, you know, for standard, if something like that is rel- uh, randomly needed. You know, you could hit Tri-Lands, make them get a basic. Maybe there's a deck out there that just doesn't run basics in standard. We've seen that happen before, where, you know, something like this was good, but... This is a big upgrade for people in multiplayer formats that wanted to play an effect like that and not ramp everybody else at the table. Yeah, yeah. In 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 real formats, this is just a functional reprint of, of Field of Ruin. The, I love to get the subtle jab in there every time. In real formats, like, yeah, as opposed home. to fake formats. Yeah, sh- sure. Uh, and, and I do think one of the issues that Standard does have right now is a lack of payoffs for sticking to one color. Um, and, uh, you know, the mana for the three color decks is quite good. Triumphs are very powerful. And usually that gets offset by, uh, you know, good colorless utility lands that monocolor decks can play. You know, they, they all the monocolor aggro decks lost the cycle of very good creature lands from AFR. So no Den of the Bugbear, no Lair of the Hydra, uh, and so on. And uh, th- I think that's part of the reason they've struggled. And uh, th- this is just at least some- something semi-reasonable. Uh, probably worse for those decks than uh, Mishra's Foundry, but um, you know maybe you want more than four colorless lands, colorless utility lands, because your mana is so good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 
Before we move on to the next thing, uh, I want to take a moment and talk about our sponsor, Barrister and Man. Make sure you check them out. That's barristerandman.com, man with two N's. It's the perfect time of year to definitely be checking them out. Get some stuff for yourself or your significant other. Uh, I was actually talking to uh, our contact at Barrister and Man recently about a few things. The towel is out of stock, so I'm going to stop talking about that one being great. They're talking about possibly bringing it back in the future. They're not sure, but uh, it was kind of a novelty thing. But they are bringing back brushes, and they're going to offer razors soon. And I'll tell you this, Ross, when they offer razors, I'm getting the very first one off the chain because I've loved every product from them. If you haven't got one of their brushes, make sure you check those out. I'm a big fan of those as well. And uh, maybe we'll post a link in our Discord. They've actually got a uh, like a blog starting about you know the scents they're going to be doing. They're talking about doing a new kind of uh, like perfume as well and where they get their ideas for that and where they get their mixtures and stuff for that. So I'm checking it out. I guess like it's one of those things, you know, 20 year old me wouldn't have cared about this. 38 year old me loves this stuff. And uh, I'm super interested. And I'll tell you this, one of the best ways to get people to like you smell good. (laughs) One of the best ways to feel better about yourself, look good, feel good, you know, kind of stuff. So definitely check out barristerandman.com for all your needs for any of that stuff. And there's a code right now. It's MTG rants 15. That's in all capital letters. It'll give you 15% off your first purchase or I'm sorry, the first time you use this code. And then uh, if you've already used it, you're a little out of luck until we get another new code, which I, I believe actually might be soon. So make sure you use this one as soon as possible to make sure you get that 15% off. Uh, Ross, I know you're a big fan of Barrister and Man, but I didn't make you have to say too much there. No, I mean, I, everything you said is right. Their products are great. And uh, yeah, I, we would uh, you know appreciate you checking them out uh, and see for yourself. Because as someone that, you know, used you know random relatively cheap soap for many years same, because i same. didn't really think much about it uh the 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 difference was immediately noticeable and it, it would be difficult for me to have to go back if i ever had to it, like here's here's like the biggest uh compliment i can give about the soap because I, you, you, people at home you've probably heard me talk about this so many times with their soaps i absolutely adore them like, here's a good example. Over the last five days, I've been away from home, and I can't bring soap with me on a plane, right? And so when I get to the hotel room, like, obviously, they have, you know, bath soap or whatever for you, whatever you want to use. You know, sometimes you have gels or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's noticeably different, and I kind of just hate it. Like, it's not like it's it's hugely bad, but, like, I feel my skin is a little bit drier afterwards. It's not – it doesn't feel as fresh, and, like, you don't get that nice scent – to it as well so it's just a huge upgrade for very very low cost plus you know you get the 15 percent off which should more than pay for your shipping so make sure you check out that stuff i'm a big big fan i've been using sandalwood a lot as the uh as the scent lately big fan so make sure you check them out that's barrister and man uh, the code is mtg rants 15 all caps make sure you do that so uh after that talk ross let's talk a little bit about your weekend coming up you're going to be going to philly and let's talk about the most important thing first. Where should people be eating in Philadelphia in the King of Prussia? Because we're going to be at, I'm assuming you're going to be at the usual uh, hotel and casino there. Yeah. Um, I mean, unfortunately, you're just stuck in the casino where there is no good food. The hotel tower, that hotel restaurant is serviceable. exactly medium. Yeah, it's very serviceable. Yeah. And so I don't mind having a meal or two there over the course of the weekend. If you Especially go like over you to the mall later. area, yeah. um, looking up the while he's looking up the name for this, the the, the restaurant he's talking about it's the bar slash like pub type thing that's inside the 
that's inside the the tower that's the actual hotel that you have to walk over to. The food, very average, like very I think like tiny bit better than like a Chili's type thing, same kind of pricing. So very yeah. good if like you can't leave the site or you can't get anywhere else before stuff closes because they're open a little bit later than normal too. Yeah. And they have karaoke on Friday night, so which is great. Oh yeah, um, you have to watch your favorite MTG pe- people utterly embarrass themselves, and it's awesome. <laughs> also, every time I've been there, there's been a middle-aged woman that absolutely kills um, war pigs. <laughs> uh, my my memory is, we were all sitting there. This was one of my first second places ever in the SC Tours when I was playing a Brennan and Caleb Durward on a team event. And we're like having dinner after second place. And this old lady just like saunters up to our table, obviously very inebriated, and proceeds to try to talk Caleb's ear off. And he just was not having it. And he didn't do it in a rude way, but just very politely shut her down very quickly. And it was just hilarious because like the look on her face, she was just so shocked. (laughs) There's just always some middle-aged woman doing something crazy in that bar. So it's pretty great. Yeah, it is a place. Yeah. And there's, there's some decent food around there. I wish I remember the name of it. You and I... I, I'm pretty positive it's it's on the corner of a shopping center, like a mile away, like across yeah, from. It's the called Paladar. I just looked up the the Indian restaurant. Uh, this it was Latin Fusion that we went to. Uh, we went to Latin Fusion. We also, we also went to an in, we went to an Indian place that I was like astounded with how good it was for being a little like end cap of a mini mall. That was with was that with Rick? I think it was Rick. Yeah. Because Rick was staying at the DoubleTree, and I wanted to go meet Rick at the DoubleTree to steal some cookies. Because anyone knows. That's the big. That's the big uh, prize when you're traveling. Get the the cookies from DoubleTree. Like, sign me up for about four of those bad boys. Oh yeah. So other than that, uh, if you're in Philly proper, or kind of where you're going to be landing and traveling into, <laughs> first, yeah, if you're flying right, in, Reading Terminal Market. Yeah, obviously. take a minute to go to the to go to the market. And when he says take a minute, you're going to need an hour <laughs> just, yeah. just to even figure out what you want to get first. I, I highly recommend this. So th- what's the sandwich place that everybody always gets from? Denix. Denix. Don't get a full one. Get like a half of whatever no, you're no. getting or share it with your friends. Get the full one. No, no. It's going to oh, – hear me out. Hear me out. It's that or get a full one and save half of it. Get a hotel room with a, with a you know a microwave and a, and a yeah, fridge. But get two of them. Yeah, They're so, so good. Whatever. They're so good, but it's a ton of food, right? So yeah. make sure you're sampling. I, I like to sample when I'm there. I like to get little things from a bunch of stuff or like – Ross and I are known to uh, like share some stuff, so we don't have to, you know, eat all of one giant thing. Because I will say this: the thing that I think is most underrated right through market is like the dessert places around in there are all absurdly yeah, the good. Crepe, the crepe place and the ice cream stand are both great. Oh well, yeah, I can't have the ice cream stand, but it does look amazing. And then you know you see like the Italian desserts and stuff there as well are quite great and stuff. And I don't know about you, but uh, I've I'm, I'm a firm believer that calories on trips don't count. So I kind of just go ham. Indeed. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah. It's the Denix roast pork sandwich. It traditionally comes with broccoli rob and sharp provolone. I usually go for the garlic spinach instead of the broccoli rob. Not a big broccoli guy. Um, this is back when I was eating meat, but this is literally the best sure. sandwich I've ever had in my life. So uh, I would still recommend it. You can get it dipped. If you're going to eat it there... You can get it dipped, but obviously, if like if you're carrying it anywhere, I would not recommend that. Um, the yeah. New York Deli Herschel's is also incredible. The turkey stand next to Herschel's is great. The Cajun place is great. The Amish Bakery, speaking of desserts and Beeler's Donuts, excellent. Um, 
Oh, God. I haven't been there in so long. I'm trying to remember I'll more you, of what's there. I'll let you think while I say one thing that's important, too. I just thought about this. Also, if it is like your first time coming into the area, you might not realize how far away from the Philly area you actually have to travel to go to this event. So if you can, try to get two to three people together for an Uber. You'll save quite a bit. Yeah, it's like $45 to Uber yeah. from the... So you're, you're spending 100 bucks on Ubers yep. on the weekend. So if you, if you can excel it, excel it with two or three people. Rideshare is a big deal. You know, so definitely try to coordinate that ahead of time if you can. If, if you know if you're flying it alone, like what I do a lot of times, I find out, hey, anybody landing around this time? And, or we used to have Morgan Chang grab us as well. <laughs> he usually would come down for the weekend just because he's like, look, I, I don't even know if I'm playing, but Reading Terminal Market's enough to get me to come down there and hang <laughs> out. So absolutely love and miss that guy. But um, So how's the tournament looking for you this weekend while you're thinking about the other stuff? Um, Honestly, oh, so like... For everybody, it's Pioneer at home. Yeah. <laughs> And Pioneer just, I was hoping something would like materialize and look good. And it really just seems like it's a, I think it's a very metagame um, dependent format because there's this rock, paper, scissors going on between the Rakdos decks, the Green Devotion decks, and the various linear decks of which there are many. Um, there are also some tier two like grindy decks that beat Rakdos but can't beat green. Like I think that's where like the white decks are, the big white Yorian decks, and like Enigmatic Incarnation, uh, things like that. Um, and my my thought going into this right now, and I, I've got to do I'm going to do some research to confirm, but my thought is that uh. Online, Rakdos and Green are relatively even, which creates a pretty steady cycle through the Rock, Paper, Scissors. But Mono Green, because it's so powerful and so hyped, is overrepresented in Paper. So I think that makes Paper Pioneer a little bit more exploitable by playing decks that are weaker to Rakdos. Yeah, and so for me, it's actually weird. Like, when I look over the format as a whole, like, yeah, there's a ton of Mono Green. I was talking with somebody about this, and they were like, yeah, why isn't this red-black deck played in some of these other, like, uh, adjacent formats? You know, you see almost the entire deck legal and, like, historic and some of these other things. I can't remember exactly what Explore or whatever. And why aren't they played in that? Because almost the entire deck's there. And I'm like, well, you don't have mono green in those formats. And the funny thing is, is, like, Rakdos beats all of the decks that beat mono green. So, therefore, mono green is very good. You get what I'm saying? It's like this yeah. weird dichotomy that goes on. It's like this weird, like, parasitical, like aspect of the format and so i don't know i'm very interested to see what happens because i'm like you we were talking a little before the show i'm getting kind of bored of pioneer because it's just been so lame duckish for a while now yeah there really hasn't been much change now for maybe four or five months i expect that to change very fast by the way i fully expect there to be after this event uh whenever it's i don't know the dates and stuff i fully expect either uh a ban to happen or you know some deck unless some deck comes out that just completely revolutionizes stuff and changes stuff because we will have brothers war legal for the uh for the atlanta event not the event this weekend but i'm super excited to see if like that changes stuff up and you know we talked about this i actually have an idea of how they can maybe do stuff in the future to make this a little bit different or better of a format without doing something as simple as like banning cards because i do think that maybe something out of mono green needs to go like maybe just Honestly, I think the easy thing is just ban Karn. Like, the card just had its time, I think, in this format. Yeah, if they don't want to go all in and just ban Nykthos, banning Karn is definitely the next best option because part of what makes Mono Green so oppressive is 
that ability to be a combo deck. If it was just, I'm making a bunch of mana and generating value with a Storm of the Festival and Cavalier of Thorns, and your opponent could just like untap and Supreme Verdict you, it's a, you know, it's a way different, different story. So that, that opens up a lot more avenues to successfully attack the mono green deck without actually killing, which I like. Yeah. My other option that I think should be considered, and I think this is something that I I firmly think should happen, and I would start very small with it, is I think they should just make Pioneer Masters. I think they should just make a set that it's not standard legal. It's legal in every set after that. You, you mean and Pioneer you Horizons? Sure. What did I say? Masters? Ma- yeah, Masters is like all reprints, no, no sure. new cards added to the well, format. Let's let's mix it. So, so Pioneer Horizons, like reprint some of the cards that are maybe, you know, have some cost or yeah, whatever to them. In Horizons, you can do both, but the 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 conceit of Modern Masters was we're not adding new cards to Modern. Yeah, that, so, so if you use so that terminology, that's what it implies. I, thank you for correcting me there because I definitely needed yeah. it. So, and you, you I just want to make sure we're on the same yeah. page. Yeah, especially when you're you're changing a format. So like, I'm a big fan of doing something in conjunction like that. Where like, if you're going to change a format up, right? Like, if you're going to change something drastically, like getting rid of Nykthos or getting rid of Karn. Yeah, look. Four copies of those cards. It's not cheap, but it's not wallet breaking. But the problem is now your deck might not be playable anymore, and you need a whole new deck in the format. So if you were to hey print some new stuff to change the format up a little bit, but also reprint some of the pricier cards in the yeah. format, that might help the price out a little bit and help people get into new decks a little easier as well. So it kind of hits like two things at once, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah, you know? the, the, they've already uh, they've already talked about what their releases are for next year, right? Has, has Watsi said that? I think so. They can so shoehorn stuff in all the time. So but I would assume that we're getting a Pioneer Horizon set relatively soon. Well, I think there was supposed to be something on Arena that they announced like two and a half years ago. And I remember when it came out, I, I need to find the tweet. But I remember someone tweeted about it. And they were like, yeah, this is cool. And I was like, here's my skeptical face. I'll believe this the moment it actually comes out. And it still hasn't come out. Like They just like literally never mentioned it again. Because I was like, yeah, I just don't see this happening. And then the pandemic really, really crushed a lot of that, obviously, which I'm not blaming them. This is not me being like, oh, liars, jacques or whatever, you know. This is me just saying it's just something that didn't happen that, if done correctly, I think could be big and impactful on the format. Because we're obviously seeing a big shift towards Pioneer again, especially with Paper Magic coming back again. And, you know, you and I talked about this when Pioneer first came out and the hype that was behind it and the accessibility of the format as a whole. Uh, price-wise versus modern, especially with like the prices of modern decks doubling, it feels like over the last year, that this there's a chance this could become one of the most popular, if not the most popular, paper format that people play. Because again, it's it's more adjacent to, to standard. And if you're buying newer cards or you're getting into magic newer, it's easier for you to get into Pioneer money-wise than it is to get into modern. So uh I I just think Every time I think about it, it just makes more sense. It's just the practicality of the the actual execution of the of, of the item that, that it comes down to. Yeah, no, that, that's just you know, that's the, just the life cycle of formats, right? Like modern uh, yeah, is just following the same path that Legacy did. Legacy did, yeah, ten exactly. years ago. Uh, I do want to add one more big thing in that, just in case somebody with decision making ability or somebody over Watsi hears this. Uh, I am only working a part-time job right now. I am. I have a lot of free time. If you'd like to hear more of my ideas, I'm perfectly willing to uh, talk to you guys about it for a very small consultant fee. So just let me know. You know, give me a call. 
or give me an email. It's, it's on my, uh, it's on my Twitter. It's pretty easy to get a hold of me. So, you know, I got, I got some ideas, some. Yeah. Ross is, Ross is looks very, uh, skeptical on his side of the call here. I'm sure you have plenty of ideas, Tan, and I'm sure they're great. I didn't say they were all great, but I'm yeah. sure some of them are great. <laughs> I mean, I did this idea to hang out with you all the time. I'm sure you'll do better next time. <laughs> That's not the response I was expecting. That was that was that was awesome. Uh, so, do you know what deck you're going to be playing in Philly? And do, I mean, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but um, I'm assuming you don't care. I'm I'm reasonably sure I'm going to play. Is it Phoenix? And so that's, let's talk about that for a couple of seconds. That's a deck that's seen quite a bit of resurgence lately. And do you think it's because of the fact that it can go toe to toe with mono green a decent bit? Yeah. I think is it Phoenix is actively good against mono green and also good against the decks that beat mono green. I think it's behind against Rakdos, but you can, uh, you have play and it's not like you have, like you have good cards, you know, you have, you know, recursive threats and a bunch of card advantage and, um, that, you know, so it's not, it's certainly not a hopeless matchup, and it's a matchup that I think will have a lot of play to it. So if I play against, you know, mediocre Rakdos pilots, I think I can gain a lot of equity by just outplaying them. Um, whereas if I played, if I tried to do the opposite, like beat, have my matchup be good against Rakdos and try to outplay mono green players, like they're just going to do mono green things and it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter how good you play against them when they just activate Nykthos for 12 and then untap yeah. it. As long as they like, know how to combo, which, you know, isn't that hard. Uh, you can read an article for five minutes and you got it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I know, you know a couple months ago I, I played Mono White. I do still think that deck is fine. I've had some people message me about it. Um, so I'll probably post an updated humans list as well um, and, and give for people that are still interested in that archetype. I think that deck is fine. One of the things that scares me about it is it is weak to some of the other decks that are, you know, that are good against Mono Green. Um, you know, I don't like playing it against Mono Red, which has had a resurgence recently. Uh, I don't like playing it against Grease Fang at all. I think that is a horrible matchup for Mono White. Um, whereas I'm pretty happy to play those matchups with Phoenix. Um, and then, um, um, you know, it's, it's really about situating myself against those, those two pillars and then making sure I'm close enough against Rakdos that, I'm not, you know, sacrificing too much equity in order to be advantaged against the other two pillars of the metagame. I, I yeah, do and think Phoenix the, does that. Yeah, and then he gets all the other random decks. Like, your deck is just a bunch of card draw, removal, and some very powerful spells. So, like, you can just figure it out. Yeah. Like, it's like the mono-white aggro deck. You're like, shock you, shock you. Like, cast some considers, put a bird or two into play, maybe block. Eventually, I'll time walk and copy it, and I'll kill you. Like, Yeah, the deck has, the has a good number of clunky draws, which I don't like, but... Um, it has so much card advantage that you can pretty aggressively mulligan and be fine. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a pretty well-oiled machine at this point. I, th I think it went away when Rakdos was at its height. As things have balanced out, it's gotten a little bit better, and I do think it's better in paper even than it is online. It did obviously did very well the last weekend. Uh, I was pretty high on it going into the weekend and then uh, didn't even know that Canister... Uh, lost the finals to someone playing his exact 75 in, in the last Pioneer Challenge. So um, a l that kind of worries me a little bit, but paper tends to be kind of behind, um, you know, online anyway. Like and I, too. Yeah, like, yeah. 
And I think a lot of people aren't going to like wholesale change their deck to, you know, based on the results from the, the last weekend, um, you know, especially if they've been, you know, testing for weeks or whatever. So um, that is, uh, so I'm not super worried about that. Um, I also think, you know, is it is also just a generally, generally powerful deck. So if something new from uh, Brothers War pops up for the RC next week, uh, it should still be fine. Obviously, that's not a concern for this week, but ideally I would like to play the same deck in both. <laughs> you know, we'll see how this weekend goes, and I might change it up, but I I, I do think Is It Phoenix is a bit underrated at this point. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens going into the RC at in Atlanta, you know, again, we're both going to be there. I'm super excited to, to see what's going on. Um, I'm not calling the actual matches again. I'll just be hosting, but I'm going to be like birding quite a bit. Cause again, I, I, I want to see what's going to happen with the cards being legal from brothers war without anything happening before, which is going to be super cool. Like, are we, are we going to get a challenge online before then? I think we will. Right. Before. Oh, before with brothers Atlanta. war legal. I don't yeah. know. I think we get something. I mean, I think you can play it online, possibly. I got to see when it actually comes into legality online, whatever. So, but this is really cool. This is this is what I want to see out of like Pro Tours in the future. And Magic got away from that over the last like five-ish years. Their timing felt really strange on big events coming out. Like maybe give them a week or two, but like, look, hey, new format, y'all figure it out. The biggest problem is just getting the actual freaking cards. And I think. That's so going to be a problem at the event. Watsi has has changed their policy. Stores are now able to sell singles on pre-release weekend and that first week. So you can get uh, Brothers War cards starting this weekend. Yep, I've already seen people like opening some of their stuff. You know, I've seen some stuff on on uh, Twitter and stuff. People are already opening packs and shit. So the card availability is is there. It's just like it's so brand new. If you change last minute, you got to hope the people on site have the cards to sell to you. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see with all that stuff. So it shouldn't be that big a problem. I think the tournament's not going to be gigantic. It's going to be, you know, probably like five, 600 people maybe, but not like old school GPs where it's like 3,000 people. It's a new set. It's like good luck finding the copy of the card you need because everything's going to be sold out kind of thing. So should be fun. Again, come find me and Ross. We'll, we'll hang out. Uh, I guess Ross and I will probably have a beer one night <laughs> and stuff. And so we can maybe invite some people out to do that. Brennan will be there as well. So the team's going to all be together for the first time in a while. It's been, oh, a, yeah. it's been a long time since we've all been in the same place. Yeah. I'm really, really looking for it. You know what, Ross? I got a little emotional just thinking about that just now. Honestly, the, was the last time we, we were all together the that team event we played in Philly that I almost That's missed by and tripped yes. on the curb? Yes, I think so. Where you and then played that beat up. heinous Ascendancy deck? Oh my god, that deck was so bad. <laughs> Y'all played some bad decks at over the span of the, of the <laughs> I only dis, I only take myself out of that because I just played the same deck every time. That's just the best deck in its format at all times. So like there was no chance for me to mess up because if I was given the opportunity, I definitely would have. So yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to cover this week before we get out of here? No, I think I'm good. Let's say so for everybody listening. Thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully we'll see you all either in, well, Ross will see you in Philly. And if not, Make sure you come up to us in Atlanta. We'd love to say hi. We'd love to hear from you what you love and don't love about the show. And honestly, just get some fist bumps and, and you know, meet some of y'all for the first time in person because we haven't really had a lot of opportunities in the last few years. Ross, we're looking forward to seeing you in person too. I miss you, buddy. Miss you too, team. All right. Everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see about getting an episode out next week before Atlanta with some more definite 
uh, information on what we think is going to happen there and then places to eat and stuff like that. Like if you like burgers, Vortex Burger and stuff like that's there. So we'll talk about those kind of things. But thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week.